When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. How's it going and welcome to episode 119 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. You can follow me at Adegree, that's all spelled out. And you can follow Kevin Hasting at Hasting Kevin. And he is once again joined by my side behind the mic, Kevin. Welcome back again. Thanks for, uh, what am I doing? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, back-to-back weeks for the first time since February, I think. Yeah. This is nice. awesome. Since and, uh, right before the season started. Yeah. Baseball has been fun to watch recently. I'm sure everybody realizes with the Reds and even Oakland winning games. And as a Royals fan, it's been rough until oh, today, yeah. coming back from an 8-2 deficit and then giving up. Angels taking the lead in the ninth and debut Samad Taylor with his first major league baseball hit being the game winning walk off. Yes. Yeah. So it's been fun watching baseball and, and of course, checking on our fantasy teams and looking into fab for the weekend. Yeah. That's just a weekly endeavor for all of us, right? <laughs> We're exactly. continuing to do that on the regular, at least if you want to compete in, in any of your fab leagues, you got to just keep on grinding. Speaking of grinding, I will say, Kevin, happy Father's Day. And I say that with the least amount of lightness as possible. <laughs> but yeah, happy Father's Day to you. And you, you told me off air, though, like you're enjoying Father's Day, not having to be a father, which that's uh, it's, it's, it's nice. I don't know if that's the right way of putting it. No, maybe your daughter's not listening. <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> nice She's having a time. blast. She's at a marine biology summer camp. She's one week into the three week camp and she's having an absolute blast scuba diving all day, every day. Nice. Yep. She loves it. She's going to be advanced open water dive certified at 12 years old that by the time this camp is over. Impressive yep, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. All right, we we got the gang back together quite once again, and once again, we're getting back into the groove. We've got a great guest to join us this week to enjoy our Father's Day Fab Balooza, whatever you want to call it. We're excited to welcome Dave Funnel to the show to join us to make sense of it all as we get into what I think is the 13th or 14th Fab of the season. I'll figure that out after the words, and I'll edit that in. Dave can be found repping the Twins over at Prospects 1500, contributing regularly with with us at pitcherlist.com and of course putting out the injury report over at Fantrax on the regular which is what most of you listening have probably seen him or read his work on the regular if you're not you're you're doing it wrong make sure you're checking that out as well you follow Dave on the Twitter at sports underscore nut 51 I should clarify that is sports with a z and the nut has two t's in it There'll be a link to that in the show description for easy access. We're going to focus our attention to the injury landscape with Dave a little bit later. But for now, Dave, welcome to the show. Happy Father's Day to you as well. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. I am ready to talk some baseball. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. So thank you guys. 
All right. Awesome. Well, you know what? Let's get right into it then. We're almost four minutes in. We haven't talked baseball yet, so let's get right to it. We got quite a bit of news to talk about. As typical, we will focus our attention on the news items that may affect what you're looking for on your fab bidding on Sunday. So Kevin, we'll start here with Matt Mervis, who everybody was talking about in the preseason. He was drafted everywhere after his amazing AFL stint that most of, I know you saw it and I know a lot of people that were there were impressed as well, but he finally got the call up to the Cubs and now he is finally sent back down after quite a cold spell in his debut. Cody Bellinger returns from his rehab stint. He was the corresponding move for the Cubs. He's also playing a little bit of first base in his rehab and that's supposedly just so he can continue to get acclimated and get back into the groove before he's fully healthy to get back into the outfield but if he gets enough time obviously he'll get that eligibility back he had it at one point in his fantasy career and it was nice to have the dual eligibility lost it could get it back does that affect your valuation of Bellinger if he has that dual eligibility or is he pretty much just an outfielder in your eyes if you've got him anywhere? In most of the leagues I play in where we have five outfielders, I, I think he's more valuable as an outfielder. But depending on your team, your league, the the format, it's always nice to have that on the back burner, dual eligibility. You never know when you can slide him over because you have someone else on your roster or there's someone better in the player pool at that other position. So it's nice. But I think in, for the most part, I think he's going to be played as an outfielder for most fantasy teams. Yeah, for the first time in quite a while, Cody Bellinger is actually an asset to your fantasy teams at this point. He's not hurting you, to say the least. We can't say that for, we haven't been able to say that in, in a little bit. Matt Mervis, obvious drop at this point? I think for most teams, yes. I think we're going to see Mervis again this year. And I think that this is so that they can get him in the lineup every day and get him to work on whatever it is they see that he needs to work on. And hopefully he tears it up at AAA. And when Bellinger is ready to move to center field, it's not Bellinger that's holding Matt Mervis back. It's Michael Talkman. And I don't think that's going to hold him back if he starts crushing the baseball again at AAA and makes whatever adjustments they think he needs to make to be more successful at the major league level. So I think if Mervis performs at AAA and makes those adjustments, as soon as Bellinger's ready to play the outfield again, I think Michael Talkman run is over. Sorry, Alex Chamberlain, but I think it'll be over and we'll see Matt Mervis again. I, I feel like Alex has been through this more than <laughs> once. I think he should get used to it by now, right? Well, that's too bad, though. All right, Dave, let's move over to the White Sox. Yon Moncada, he hit the IL retroactive to June 14th. First, what kind of update do you, could you give with your insights that you have, obviously, on all these IL stints and this injury on Moncada's current state on the IL? And then what are you seeing as far as the impact that his absence is going to have on the White Sox lineup, or at least their infield alignment with his absence? Well, regarding Moncada, it's uh, it's been his back injury all year. I think he started in spring. He had some problems there, and uh, he started out strong on the season, but it's just the back just keeps coming back to him. I think he'll be out for a little bit. It's when you get those reoccurring injuries, that's when the big problems come. And uh, I think for now, they do have a good solution in Berger right now, playing third base. I think he can just maybe, I don't know if he can take over 
the spot, but he's playing well enough right now where he's just mashing the ball. I think he's got like the second hardest hit ball all season. It's 118 mm-hmm. miles per hour. He's just, he's mashing, he's hitting hard. I think for now we're going to see Berger for a bit. And then once Moncada is ready, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. I know Moncada has second base in his past, in his history. Didn't he come up as a second baseman or he did it was like, like in the same vein as like Jose Ramirez did when he was first coming up as well. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that's something they want to reconsider if Berger can continue what he's doing, but for now they should just ride the burger train if they can and there you go there it is i was yeah. waiting for some kind of burger pun or something I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll squeeze that in there looking for something but yeah from everything i heard or everything i've seen too the one the thing probably keeping Mankata at third base is he's actually a decent defender at at the hot corner there he's not winning gold gloves per se but he's not hurting you and as far as how burger performs there i'm not 100 sure on that i don't have those metrics in front of me but yeah, it seems as the White Sox, it's like one of those things where, yeah, yeah, Jake Berger does everything he can to perform and get himself, force himself in. And then there are players on the White Sox who are doing everything they can to make room for Berger, obviously with Eloy going down recently. And we talked about him, I think, last week about all right, now that we're going to see more Jake Berger. Oh, now Mankata goes out. Obvious choice is, all right, we're going to see more Jake Berger. As soon as you count him out, oh, where's he going to play? another domino falls and we're going to touch on another one a little bit later that just happened today as well that obviously is going to mix and match the White Sox infield that may even create more opportunity for Jake Berger down the line as well yeah they're definitely a very frustrating team and not just to root for but I couldn't even imagine just trying to build this lineup every day because there's reasons every day why they're not even playing and it's just one thing after another one step forward two steps back all right, let's stay in the AL Central, Kevin. We'll move over to Minnesota, who actually, we're gonna let's try to switch gears a little bit and get some good news here. We got some players coming off of the IL. A couple of these news items here. This one is Byron Buxton. He returned to the IL from the IL to the Twins as they optioned Trevor Larnock down to make room. What kind of playing time changes are you seeing in Minnesota with Buxton's return? He's going to be the designated hitter, and they sent Larnock down, so he had been in that spot a time or two recently. I think it just affects Donovan Solano a little bit. He has been in there most days and at the designated hitter position a time or two. Edward Julian has been the designated hitter recently. So it's just going to cause a little more shuffling, but not a whole lot. Buxton's the everyday designated hitter. We're seeing Kyle Farmer play against lefties. They got some pretty strict platoons going on. Julian, Joey Gallo now, very wisely, the Twins are sitting him versus lefties. Christian Vasquez isn't catching versus lefties with lefty starters on the mound. So I think it's just going to allow them to be more strict with their platoons and not have guys in there on days they don't want them in there, which they have been forced to in the past. But in general, I think their lineup, obviously it gets better with Buxton in there as the designated hitter. But for the other guys, the playing time losses are going to be spread out and it's going to help the lineup as a whole. Yeah, it is interesting to see the very strict platoons that you mentioned happening on different teams and the Twins are being a little bit more of an obvious one at the moment. It's really weird too because it's all done just so Buxton won't 
play in the field. Right. <laughs> because if he could play in the field, these other guys could get rest and then they could, I don't know, maybe they'd be a healthier team, but right now it's all about boxing. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely the centerpiece there. And as somebody who is injured all, you know, all the time, he definitely has something about him. We can understand it a little bit. All right, Dave, more injury news here. This one was waiting for it to happen as Max Muncy, he was diagnosed with a grade two hamstring strain, and but he said he was going to try to work through it. And it didn't seem like something most human beings would do. <laughs> but Max Muncy has shown that maybe he's not always human being. And so he was finally placed on the IL by the Dodgers with that hamstring tightness. Matt Bush was recalled back to LA to take his place on the active roster. What's your take on how long we might see Muncy out? Is this a minimum stay just because of his bullheadedness to try to work through it? Or do you think with the severity of this injury, we're going to see Muncy sit out a little bit longer? This was something I wrote about today, actually, because it, Earlier in the week, they said it was a grade two. And then Muncy said on a podcast or some interview that he'll be fine. It's a low grade one. They were saying that he's feeling better. They didn't want to jump the gun. But I I do think it's going to be a long time. I think it'll be more than the 10 days. And with that, there's a lot of openings happening right now. Like the entire team is struggling right now. They just went through another two injuries last night. So I think you could see someone like Bush finally getting that shot to play every day and see if the prospect pedigree that he had for so many years can finally come through. But as for Muncie, I do think it'll be more than just the 10 days because grade twos are, are a lot stronger than the grade ones. I, I will say any kind of cut into the Dodgers infield at all makes it mo- makes more of an opportunity for Mookie Betts to keep second base eligibility going into 2024 in pretty much all formats. He's got 15 games so far, so plenty opportunities for him to keep that eligibility, which will make him quite the draft choice going into 2024 drafts. That was a complete sidebar (laughs) and had nothing to do with Max Muncy, but that's fine. Yeah, I would like to see Matt Bush get a little bit more run this time around than he did in his first stint, and we'll see how long that lasts in the Dodgers infield for him. Kevin, you're here. I got to get some Royals talk out of you, of course. So we've got not only the debut you talked about in the intro, but also Darren Blanco. Darren Blanco. He was called up earlier in the week by the Royals. Vinny With Vinny P hitting the IL, it pushes Nick Prado out of the outfield and into first base duties. Can Bianco continue to carve out everyday playing? He's gotten pretty much, he's played every day since the call up started excuse me every day since the call up for the royals can we expect his speed to actually translate he has his first stolen base today in today's game on saturday as we're recording this he's been playing all week and haven't seen a successful stolen base we saw an attempt he got caught earlier in the week but for my numbers he hasn't had that many opportunities i'll give him credit he hasn't had many opportunities he's going into friday he only had two opportunities to steal he took one it didn't turn out as well as you'd hope but I think going into the weekend after that call up, a lot of people were just thinking, hey, if you need that speed, go get this guy. I didn't I don't know if I expected him to play as often as he is. Is he going to continue to play pretty much every day, especially with Vinny P opening up that spot for Prado to move to first? That helps. It's, it's still crowded. We saw some odd Taylor making his debut on Saturday as well. Kyle Isbell is on rehab assignment. He could be back at any time. So the outfield is getting a little crowded. 
I don't think all of these guys probably stay up. Maybe they don't bring Isbell up right away or they use the full 30 days rehab. That would help because I think Blanco, I think he gets to determine how much he's going to play. And if he continues to get on base at a 375 clip, like he has in his first four or five games, and then take those opportunities when they are available. I mentioned last week with Drew Waters, the Royals seem to not turn guys loose on the base paths until they get settled in at the plate. But with Blanco, his stolen base today coming as a pinch runner, as long as he is on the roster, that will always be a possibility at the end of games. And I think it's worth a shot. If you have room, you, you may not be able to put him in your starting lineup every week, but they have seven games this upcoming week. If you need speed, I'd probably leave him in there, especially in a 15-team league, and, and see what happens. Because so far, they've played him every day since he's been up, as you said. Yeah, not to mention that Longo was, if I'm not mistaken, he was leading the minor leagues in stolen bases. Oh, at one point he had 49, uh, 45 stolen bases in 49 games at one point. So there you go. And they're playing with all the same rules now as well. So he's used to it. All right, Dave, we got a somewhat newer injury come across the desk with Tristan McKenzie experiencing some right elbow discomfort. Very ominous way of putting it. Just just using the word discomfort never feels right to me. It's, it's, It's like in hockey when they just say lower body and they don't have to be specific. All right, cool. Discomfort. What does that mean? Do you have an itch or do you have a torn something? What can you tell us about McKenzie and what are you expecting as far as his absence, the length of time? And then we saw... What are we seeing from the rotation fillers? Who's going to come in and fill up that spot? Uh, yeah, actually, it, just now as we're writing, it, the results of his, his MRI came back and it's revealed elbow inflammation. It's, it's better. It's more specific than discomfort. So I yeah. appreciate that. He was just placed on the 15-day IL and it's looking like it's going to be a lot more than that. I don't know. I don't know too much more right now. I know recently... Was it Liam Hendricks had some elbow inflammations and he's going to be gone for a while. I think McKenzie will be gone for at least a month, maybe two, but he's had problems all year. So it's, mm-hmm. it started earlier with the shoulder and now it's the elbow. I could see, I don't want to say the T word, but I think he'll be gone for a while. He's a big part of their future. They don't want to take chances. They don't want to do anything that they don't have to do with him. That being said, looking ahead, I think we could see Gavin Williams get called up and take his spot in the rotation. He looks ready. He's ready to play the part, and I think he could be an instant impact in that rotation. Yeah, plus it would continue us down the road of having a prospect pitcher come up every week that we can bid on. So that's obviously what we all want. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anytime we can add a decent or at least somebody we think could be a decent starting pitcher into the pool, we will all be happy for that because as we will talk about later, as we talked about last week as well, Kevin, uh, it's slim pickings. Got to spend that money. Got to spend it somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Can't take it with you. All right, Kevin, we'll stay in Cleveland here for this one as the Guardians DFA'd Mike Zunino, their supposed starting catcher that they signed as a free agent at the beginning of the season, finally calling up 
who a lot of fans, including myself and all of my, and a few of my, my gladiators. First thing I thought of when I saw the news. (laughs) Were my gladiator teams. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be happy because Bo Naylor will finally be able to perform, provide some statistical positivity, hopefully positivity. Is this looking, this looks like it's a permanent move. Obviously Zunino was the only thing really holding, holding back that spot for Bo Naylor on the major league side. What kind of playing time are you expecting? And on that other side, what kind of production are you expecting if he gets that full run? As far as playing time goes, I think the fact that Mike Zunino is the one that's sent down, we know about the performance. He hasn't even been hitting the home runs and he has been given the other strikeouts. He's well thought of as a defensive catcher and the fact that he is sent down and Cam Gallagher is staying with the team who is a great second catcher, not such a great mm-hmm. first catcher, real baseball, not fantasy baseball. He pitching staffs love him. He was with the Royals for a long time. I've been seeing Cam Gallagher for a few years and he's a great second catcher. So the fact that is the move they made, I agree with you. This seems to be a permanent move. And then, but Cam Gallagher, as I said, not a great first catcher. Bo Naylor is going to get the majority of the starts. And they could run this as a fairly strict platoon, especially this first full fantasy week that we're going to get to see Bo Naylor. They have six games, four of them versus righties, two of them against lefties. I fully expect we see Bo Naylor out there versus the righties and Cam Gallagher versus the lefties. That's what I fully expect. And most weeks, I think that's what we'll see. If there's a week where they face a lot of lefties, maybe we'll see Bo Naylor in there against some left-handed starters as well, because I think he is the primary catcher. As far as production, we never know with these young guys coming up, but everything looks great. He's He hits the ball hard. He pulls the ball. So I, I think he's definitely someone worth adding. And I've I'm in a couple of leagues, the two catcher leagues, where I've been shuffling for a second catcher all season long. And this week we have two or three options with Danny Jansen coming back as well. And Diaz in Houston getting some of that playing time that we were hoping last week when we talked that he might get. So finally we have some options at the catcher position in two catcher leagues. Yeah. The funny thing about Naylor is that this is not his... 2023 major league debut obviously he also played last year but he got called up as the 27th man in a double header for literally that game and got two plate appearances in that game so he's been available to be picked up if you smelt this happening if you were really desperate for a second catcher with a little bit of potential you could have stashed him for the week i i Guarantee you not a whole lot of people did that because you're not really doing that with 60% with, with rostered in main events. He'd be 40% available there, there in the 15 teamers. And obviously he's going to be more available as you go down. So yeah, he's still available out there, even though that was a possibility. Yeah. The fact that people were getting him early is a, a little surprising based on the fact that he's a catcher and there was no guarantee he was going to be called up anytime soon. There was a lot of talk in the news that he's still working on stuff. The team wanted to season him up a little bit. So I think this came as a little bit of a surprise. At least it did to me, based on the kind of communication that we had been seeing and reading. All right, a couple other injuries. Dave, of course, if you haven't noticed, there is a theme to all of the news items that I'm shooting over to Dave here. They're all injury-related, and they're going to continue to be. New injuries that came across the desk today that I saw coming out of Miami. The Marlins sent Gene Segura to the IL with a hamstring injury, and Edward Cabrera hit the IL with right shoulder impingement. 
what can you tell me about either one of these injuries? How long, any kind of severity that you've noticed that I haven't been able to find? And the same kind of questions, like what kind of impact are either one of these guys having their absences having on the Miami, not only the rotation, but with Segura's case in the infield? I think they're both pretty big injuries for a team that's trying to compete this year. Segura was one of their bigger ads, even though he hasn't really performed that way. This past week, he felt a hamstring. He felt it tighten up on Wednesday. They had the day off on Thursday, and he sat out last night, and now he's going to the IL. All in all, it's been a disastrous season for him, and he's getting older. I think he's put on a little bit of weight or muscle, so maybe that could be contributing to it, but he's slower now. He's not doing what he was signed to do. For now, I think we'll see a lot of Wendell and Birdie, but I think what we might see soon or maybe not soon but in a little bit is Amaya the the prospect that they got in the Miguel Rojas trade I think we could see him slide in and maybe we could see then a platoon at third if Amaya actually takes off so just some names to watch out for right now would be Wendell Birdie and Amaya with maybe two of them taking over on the left side of that infield but Yeah, as for Segura, it's not looking good for him right now. I don't expect it to be a long injury, but it could be enough to maybe lose his job. As for Cabrera, he had a blister issue, and that's what everyone thought it might have been, but it's actually a shoulder impingement. That could be a big deal. He had a rough outing last week, or not last week, last Wednesday or Tuesday. He got rocked in Seattle. I think he'll be gone for more than 15 days, and it's worrisome that it is his throwing shoulder. As for replacements, it could be Johnny Cueto coming back soon, and depending on how Trevor Rogers or Trevor, the non-throwing shoulder of Trevor Rogers, <laughs> easy for me to say, depending on how that is, we could see him back as well. Two big injuries in Miami. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Maya called up, but has not. I don't know if he played today or not. So it'd be nice, to see, Jacob Maya. That is nice to see what he can, what he can do for the Marlins, as he's got a, a nice little bat on him, like you mentioned. Yeah, he didn't play today either, so he will not be available since he hasn't made his debut yet. He won't be available for bidding in the even in the deepest of leagues. So somebody to keep an eye out to see how he does in the next week or what kind of role he might be able to carve out for him in a week. So it's nice that we get another week to figure that out. Yeah. All right, somebody who did actually make his debut, Kevin, is Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers. He started and threw, it wasn't a complete game, but it was a no-hitter for Emmett Sheehan. Are you expecting him to stick around based on not only the performance, but obviously what he's been doing in the minors as well? Or is this kind of a one or two and done for the Dodgers? This is just, could this just be Dodgeritis? I think we might see him a while. He's he's one of four healthy starters that have performed well recently that they have and I don't know that we that the Dodgers want to put Cindergaard back out there as of right now unless they see some changes I don't think they want to bring Gavin Stone back up so I think he's got a fairly long leash here I'm a little concerned though with the walks most of the projections have him at about a one three five ish whip going forward that's not great for a starting pitcher 
He is with the Dodgers, right? If we're chasing, wins should be there with that lineup behind him if he continues to do what he do. Also, a one-game sample, really tough to look at this type of numbers, but 13% ground ball rate. I'm not a big fan of that either as the Mm -hmm. temperatures are warming up and the ball's going to be flying even more so than it has been recently in a lot of ballparks. I I know he's not going to have a 13% ground ball rate but it was below 40 percent the last couple of seasons in the minors that's a little worrisome to me that's probably the biggest red flag for me is that he's going to give up a lot of fly balls when we have a ball that's flying and the weather's warming up so that's probably going to temper my bids but if you're chasing wins somebody in this dodgers rotation is always appealing yeah and same, the same kind of thing has happened. There's only been one start for Sheehan, obviously, but same thing happened with Andrew Abbott, who came up with all these strikeouts in the minors and is just not quite getting there in the majors so far. Obviously, it's a little bit early, but Sheehan with only three strikeouts in the six innings that he had after striking out 88 through 53 in the third innings at double A this year alone. And before that, at high A, the year before, 101 strikeouts in 63 and two-thirds innings. So this is a guy who knows how to make good work of the strikeouts per inning. If he can get there, that would be great. My concern is we've already heard them say that Bobby Miller is not going to have an innings limit, which is somewhat surprising, but I get it. He started late, so he's got some he's got some time to, to kill. But Shannon only had 68 innings last year. And he's already got over 59 innings going through between double A and the six innings he's gotten in LA so far. So I can't imagine that he'll go over the double the amount of innings by the end of the year. And the Dodgers are going to want to control that a little bit more. So I mean, personally, I'm just concerned on how many starts we're actually going to see out of him. I don't see him being somebody that they want to throw into the bullpen to control the innings. Maybe more of a... I think they use him now, to your point. Right. I think they get what they can get out of him right now, and he's the type of guy they shut down early before the end of the season. He's not somebody they're going to use in the postseason, hopefully for them. Hopefully they make the postseason. <laughs> That's not such a gimme anymore, the way Arizona's playing, and now San Francisco's right on their tails. But as far as who they have available, they would expect they get Urias back, and they have Kershaw and Bobby Miller. They would play before him as a starting pitcher in the postseason. I think – that his value to them is what they can get out of him right now while they are so banged up and they probably use all the innings that they want to allow him to pitch this season. I think they let him go throw them over the next month or two. All right, let's get through these last two lightning round style here, Dave. We got a couple of new injuries that happened during Saturday's games, including Sean Murphy in Atlanta leaving his game early and Tim Anderson for the White Sox also leaving his game early as well. Murphy with a hamstring tightness and Anderson with right shoulder soreness. Would you expect either one of these to turn into an IL stint? And how, again, same kind of question, what do their absences mean for their teams? If, if I were to pick one, I would say it's probably Sean Murphy just because it's a catcher and a catcher needs to be able to crouch and get up and do all sorts of things. If I were to pick one, it would be him. And for that, I would probably be looking towards Darno right now. He may be in my catchers to stream piece coming out tomorrow on pitchers list. I liked him for next week already, and this solidifies that. As for Anderson, he thinks he might be back tomorrow and... But you never know with the way the White Sox do things. He 
could be out for a week and we don't know about it. But yeah, give me a shot. I would say Sean Murphy over Anderson if they're going to go on the aisle. Bringing back all like the bad memories of Luis Robert last year, obviously, when we had no idea what was going on and no Elston insight, it was maddening. Oh, it was just, and they wouldn't even put him on the IL and bring someone up. It was just one day after another, he might play and just... It wasn't even like years ago, obviously, when he had the expanded rosters, you understood why players weren't going on the IL. We already have 40 guys. We don't need to call anybody up. We don't need to put anybody in the IL. You don't have the expanded rosters anymore. It's just do it. Just do it. And it couldn't happen. (laughs) All right, Kevin, let's talk about one more positive here. Coming back from injury, we have Jesse Winker in Milwaukee and Wade Miley, your boy, entering the Brewers rotation. We already know that Miley is kicked out Adrian Hauser, who's going to be joining the Brewers bullpen. But what do you think the Winker's return means for the rest of the young brew crew in the outfield? This might be a little tricky. It depends on what we see from Winker. He's been good when healthy. He was never healthy last season in Seattle and there was some back and forth about attitudes and that type of thing. And I think he just wasn't healthy when healthy Winker has been very good the last two or three seasons. He's going to be designated hitter for now against right-handed starting pitching. That means Rowdy Telez, who they want in the lineup versus right-handed pitching is going to be playing first base. So That means a little less playing time for Owen Miller, probably. I think that's probably the biggest that I'm taking from this is Owen Miller's probably not quite the everyday guy that he has been. They'll still get him in the lineup, but he's probably the one going to lose out the most with Winker and Telez. They're both going to want in there versus right-handed pitching. Yeah, and Winker's looked good in his rehab, too. I think he's hit three or four home runs, and he had one in a rainout game that didn't even count, so he's been hitting the ball well. So hopefully he is healthy. Like you said, he'll probably do well. Another reason to watch baseball and not just scout the exactly. stat line, right? <laughs> you see these you see the home runs that actually never happened. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. That we're gonna wrap up our news and notes again. The fab related news and notes. Maybe we'll get to some more things a little bit later. But if we miss anything worth noting, you should you can catch all that with the plus pitch podcast. That's Nick Pollock's starting pitching centric daily podcast right here on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. And of course, the first pitch podcast with Casey Bubba and Jay Crumpler on the weekends. They break down all the news, highlights, and observations from every day's worth of games, as well as looking ahead at each slate to keep you up to date with everything you need to know to win your fantasy league. Just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit more injury talk with Dave funnel. And before we do that, we do have to take a quick break. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. 
So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we are back. Of course, you're listening to On The Wire. I am Adam Howe, joined once again by Kevin Hastings. And this week, we are joined side-by-side with Dave Funnel, who... Most notably, I mean, he does a whole, Dave, you do a bunch of stuff. You got your hands in a lot of pots, which I commend you for that for sure. But we're going to focus our talk here on your injury report that you put out on the regular over at Fantrax. Of course, you put out some great work here with us at PitcherList.com as well. But the injury talk is what we're most interested in with you. You've done a lot of... I don't want to say research, and we say this with we said this with other guests who do a lot of work with research. We understand first and foremost that you are not a doctor. Let's just get that out of the way. Please correct me if I'm wrong, though. I am not a doctorate. No, okay, (laughs) at least not in medicine. But you do have your ear to the grindstone or whatever cliche I want to throw in here. You do a lot of work in this realm. So what I want to do is I want to pick your brain about. What have you learned this year as far as what have we been seeing? We all know that this is like the time of year that, or at least we've come become accustomed to knowing that this is the time of year where we start seeing more injuries pop up right before the all-star break and players are hitting their groove. And then all of a sudden they, they hit those speed bumps. Are there any other, are there any injury trends that you've been seeing across baseball this year? If any, that kind of stand out. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of trends that I've been seeing are basically around pitcher related injuries. Unfortunately, I did a little research for this and in 2022, there were 427 pitchers that went on the injured list at some point in the season and accumulated, they lost 30,738 days. This year so far, we've had 259 pitchers already on the injured list, and we've already accumulated 12,284. And we are not at the halfway point. We are (laughs) not at the halfway point, no. So I think even though they're starting to slow down just a bit, because at the beginning it was just coming out like blaze of fire. I still think we're going to surpass that 427 that we had last year Hmm. of those injuries of all the total injuries. We've seen the shoulder injury have 122 players so far last year, this year it's already at 69. We've seen elbow injuries on the rise and we've seen a lot of Tommy John surgeries. So I looked into it last year. We had 11 pitchers from the beginning of the season until today go on the injured list. But this year, or sorry, with Tommy John, this year we've had more big names. Last year it was a lot of relievers. This year we're seeing a lot of starters. We've seen Bubich, Springs, Robbie Ray, Marquez, Garcia, Mali, DeGrom. If I had to guess, I think it's because of the pitch clock. I don't know what you guys think about it, but just everybody except the article on MLB.com thinks it's <laughs> surprisingly the website that supports baseball, <laughs> but just the act of throwing a baseball. So here, fast right, right, so right, fast. I'll play, I'll play devil's advocate just a little bit. I didn't read that yeah. article, Kevin. So I will just make sure that everybody knows I didn't read that article. So if I quote something that was in the article, I apologize. We correct me if I'm wrong, but we didn't see this kind of an injury like trend in the minors last year in AAA when they had the pitch clock all season long, correct? 
and they've had it for years. So even yeah. not just there. So I'll even help your cause with that too. But the minor leagues are different. The schedule their is their innings more in the minors. Yeah. They're also younger. Their, their bodies yeah. are in. Obviously, we still get Tommy John. 20 year olds still get Tommy John. I get that. But yeah, throw that out there as well. But we're also seeing a lot of pitchers that haven't been exposed to that getting sure. injured. And I know eventually the body will adjust. But you're asking somebody to throw incredibly fast, which is not a natural thing to do for a body. And then you're asking them to do it faster. So if you're throwing it 100 times every fifth day, that's one thing. But now you're telling them you've got to do it within a certain time frame. So there's going to be more fatigue. There's going to be people overcompensating. And I think as the season goes on, we're going to see more and more wear and tear. And I think even with the uh, the heat coming and everything, we're going to see more fatigue. I don't know. I'm, I'm not set on pitching at all. I don't see it turning out too well for pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's just my two cents. I don't know yeah, what you think. But. That's what we're asking for. But uh, yeah, I was gonna. I was waiting for the opportunity. They didn't really give it to me. So I'm just going to say it here. You know, how many of those Tommy Johns were just with the race? Because it seems as though they were all coming from Florida. But in all honesty, are there any teams that you've noticed that have been handling injuries either better? And I don't mean they've gotten less injuries. Like we talk about with Derek Rhodes, I want to say it's a couple of years ago at this point. But there are obviously certain teams that handle injuries better than others in the respect where they're not forcing guys to come back early and then getting re-injured. Obviously, we see Tristan McKenzie coming back and getting injured, not re-injured. He's injuring something else where it's the shoulder instead of his elbow or elbow instead of his shoulder. But there have definitely been cases where like a guy comes back too early because they're either bullheaded and they're forcing the team to make him come back or the team feels desperate and they're forcing them back into the lineup before they're ready as well. Have you noticed any teams this year that are either just handling injuries better or they're being more successful with their returnees or the ones that are just getting hit harder by the injury bug in general? Yeah, I've been doing injuries for a couple of years and it's just, you always see the same teams, always see the same players. And it's just, it's frustrating as it's, you just want to yell at them. Like, what are you doing? Why is it the same player, the same injury all the time? So I looked into it as well too. Over the last two years, the three teams with the fewest days lost on the IL are Houston, Baltimore, and Cleveland. To put that into perspective, the Yankees this year have already lost 901 days to the IL, which is just under what Cleveland has lost over the last two years. Jeez. Mm, oh, wow. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I don't know if with the Yankees, if it's just a scouting issue or if it's, like you said, pressure to come back soon or pressure to help a team win. But it's just one thing after another. You look at all the trades that they made last year and everybody got hurt. Harrison Bader hasn't been able to stay on the field. Frankie Montas, I don't even know what he's done. Uh, did he even pitch for them last year? And he's, he might not pitch for them this year. Rodon is yet to pitch. So it's just one thing after another for them. And I would say they're one of the teams that just don't seem to handle it well. And the other one is the Twins. Last year, they ran into a ton of injuries. This year, it's the same. And I don't know if when they're 
getting their players or trading for their players, they seem to be looking for like a discount when they're trying to get these players. They've got Tyler Molly. They had Maeda, Gallo, Paddock. They had Archer last year, Carlos Correa. They just seem to get players with a discount, but there's a reason for the discount. And it, they were third in line for to re-sign Correa, obviously. And <laughs> yeah, and it they didn't, were they were fine with it. And it didn't scare them that two other teams were terrified <laughs> to throw money at them. So I don't know. My guess is that, and I agree with you that yeah, it's just a pressure to come back, coming back too soon. And forcing people to do things that they're not maybe ready to do. You, you mentioned New York's negative connotation when it comes to these. So they've got a couple of big names on the IL right now. They have been for a little bit. And the whole city of New York does. So let me get your, let's end this section with some updates there. If you've got any for us with the big boppers in New York, namely Aaron Judge and Pete Alonzo for the Mets on the hitting side. And then of course, the Yankees still have Carlos Rodon on the IL, who has yet to make his pinstripe debut after signing in a hefty contract leaving San Francisco. Do you have anything of insight that you can share here as far as what you know about Aaron Judge, when he might come back and how long he might be out for? And then you can move over to New York and go to Alonso. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, Judge is the one that I have the least guarantee of when he's coming back, but that's just because Aaron Boone said he could be back next week. He could be back in four weeks. He doesn't even know. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's right? really helpful. But I do know that he did have a second injection into his toe, but he also revealed that he has a second ligament in there that's bothering him. So it could be something more right now. I know before he went on the IL, he thought he'd be back in a couple of days, as all players seem to say these sure. days. But <laughs> I don't know. I could see him being out for a while, possibly into the All-Star break. I don't know about much about toe ligaments, but I would assume there could be some surgery involved if it continues to bother him. Because he's a big guy. He's a tall guy. He's a heavy guy. We're seeing that with Jazz Chisholm right now as well, where it was announced he was going to need surgery for his turf toe, but not until after the season. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's something like that. I don't know the difference between turf toe and ligaments if there, sure. if there's a way to, to show how similar they are in recovery. But I don't know. As for Judge, it's looking like it, it'll be another couple of weeks at least. And then it said the other big bopper in New York, Pete Alonzo, he's been on the IL for the Mets. He was expected to miss a few weeks of his own. Has that changed at all? Yeah, actually, it's actually good news. It was originally thought three to four weeks, but he's already started to take swings. The splint that he had on his wrist is gone. And he was seen pushing a cart like in a public appearance using his hands pushing forward. That apparently made news. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So he is eligible to return. I think it's tomorrow. Probably not then, but we'll probably know very soon. I think he'll beat that timetable. All right. And then Carlos Rodon. Do we see him in pinstripes this year? Simple as that. <laughs> That's what's feeling like at this point as somebody who's drafted him in more than a few places. And I'm not, I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm not a Yankees fan by any stretch, but I would still like to see the man pitch. As someone who's traded for him in, in a league as well, yes, I do think he will come back. He seems to be over the injury in his arm and his back. 
And right now it just seems to be about ramping up. He's pitching all the secondaries. The velo is close to where it was, but he'll probably need a lengthy rehab. I wouldn't expect him back anytime soon. And it'll be interesting to see how he recovers from his first rehab game. But it's looking like he'll be back, I would say, mid-July. Maybe maybe just after the All-Star break. Kevin, I want to end it here just with the idea of having these kind of big name players. And we talked about dropping players last week, right? But when it comes to guys, and I'll single out Carlos Rodon, where if you drafted him, you probably drafted him in the top three rounds of your draft, more than likely, unless you got a nice little discount. And before his injury, how frustrated do you have to be with this kind of a situation with Rodon saying he'll, he'll be back quickly and then obviously hitting hitting speed bumps along the way and then get going further further than I think anybody ever expected and then getting good news and then getting bad news and then getting good news how frustrated do you end up having to be to finally part ways with your third round pick especially in this kind of environment where we're talking about all these injuries that we've been seeing especially on the pitching side I don't know and the reason I don't know is because I have Rodon on several teams and I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. So I don't know when that I don't know when that happens. It's like the Tootsie Pop the Tootsie Pop commercial. Yeah. It's like how many right. likes does it take? Um, Let's find out. <laughs> and I've used the example much of this offseason when we would talk about this type of thing. I would talk about Carlos Carrasco last season. He kept we kept thinking he was going to be back and we kept being told he was going to be back and then it's going to be another week and then another week and he was my example of, no, I should have just cut him in the beginning. But Carlos Radon's better pitcher than Carlos Carrasco. <laughs> so that makes this more difficult. I'm getting close. I think if there's another setback, I'll finally pull that trigger. But I've had him all season. And at this point, it sounds like this latest injection is helping and he feels good. And so I'm holding out hope. And unless there's another setback, I'll finally pull the trigger. That I don't think many have pulled that yet, but... Some probably have. Sure. Yeah, I understand why they wouldn't. And the whole thing about, I do love when I hear a player gets an injection and they're like, oh, I feel great. I'm like, you just got an injection. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that's how those work. (laughs) Good to know that they're working. All right. I think that that's going to wrap up that section here. Dave, thank you so much, man. That insight was great to hear and make sure that you guys are following Dave's work. Can you remind everybody now what you do, where you do it, and how they can find all this great information. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I'm at Prospects 1500. I do the twins there, like you said. I do catchers to stream every couple weeks at PitcherList. And I do the injury report daily at Fantrax alongside. Sometimes I do the prospects injury report and a rehab rewind where I talk about how, what people are doing on their rehabs. So more injuries. Yeah. More injuries. <laughs> more and more. <laughs> all right. Make sure you are following Dave for all that great work. He'll link out all that stuff on his Twitter as well. And again, you can find links to all that stuff in the show description. We are going to move on to, of course, the section where we talk about how to spend your fab dollars, what options you might have on there, depending on what size leagues you have. And we have lots and lots of players to recommend here. We are going to do that after this quick second break. All right, we are back. Let's get right into it, guys. We've got some fab dollars to spend, and let's talk about some players that we can spend them on this week. We're going to go category by category as we tend to do, starting it off in the power category. Kevin, 
let's start us off here with anybody out there that we can stream for a few home runs this coming week. Yeah, I got a couple and they're actually available in some deeper leagues about a week and a half ago or so. I know that most of us were really worried about Garrett Cooper. He was losing playing time, hadn't been performing to the level that we're used to seeing him perform when he's healthy. We know injuries have always been an issue with him, but he wasn't even playing well. And maybe he was still a little banged up because he's been back in the lineup on an everyday basis, back in that three or four hole for Miami and back to hitting home runs and hitting for a better average than his overall 227 or whatever it is on the season. And he's only rostered in 40% of 15 team main events. And that's he's more available than I thought he might be. Not much, because I know a week and a half ago, the playing time was starting to look like it was in jeopardy. The other one, and I am shocked that that I can say this, but I am ecstatic for him that I can say this. Ryan O'Hearn is smoking baseballs right now. <laughs> and Baltimore is playing him against every right-handed starting pitcher they face. And that's the big thing. He's in there versus righties. On the season, he's got a 175 WRC plus, only 84 plate appearances, but 56 of those plate appearances come in about the last three and a half weeks since they started playing him every day against right-handed starting pitching. He has all five of his home runs that he's had this season in that time. I'm gonna ride this, I'm gonna ride this in at least 15 teamers. Hopefully you don't need to go this far down into 12, but I probably wouldn't be afraid to if I couldn't find anybody else. He's smoking baseballs versus right-handed pitching. Man, between Ryan O'Hearn and Aaron Hicks, the Baltimore Orioles are finding <laughs> something with those claims. That's it's, it's nice to see for O'Hearn, at least. On the scene, Ryan O'Hearn has an OPS over 1,000. There, there we go. <laughs> Not bad. All right, let's see. Dave, what have we got for some power bats that you see available out there in your leagues? The one that I want to recommend right now is someone I talked about earlier was Jake Berger. Since he's been back, he has been on fire since he all season. He's got 16 home runs as it is. And this week he's got three versus Texas. He's got three versus Boston. He's playing at home. He's got a 311 batting average at home compared to 165 on the road. So he's going to get everyday playing time. He should play all week. He should play all six games at home. I know he's 94% owned in the OCs, but if he's available in some of the more shallow leagues, I think he's worth a pickup. I think you ride it and you see what happens, especially this week. Yeah, I understand that we talk about this all the time, obviously, between Yahoo, CBS, and ESPN have a little bit of a less deep roster, a starting roster, but a third, a starting third baseman with this kind of production, the 33% on Yahoo is just egregious at this point based on what he's done. And the fact that most of these leagues on Yahoo are daily moves, the fact that it hasn't risen up tremendously with the Mankata going through the IL already is a little surprising. So I would assume that number is going to continue to creep up over the next couple days, those kind of formats as well. But like you said, 94% in the online championship. So there are still a handful of leagues, 12 teamers on the NFBC platform where he is available to be picked up as well. And I would expect that to be a hundred percent after the Sunday for sure. Yeah. With Jake Berger, 
I think we're to the point, and I hope the White Sox are to the point that it's not how do we find Jake Berger playing time anymore. It's when these other guys start to get healthy. No, you, we got to find you playing time because Jake Berger is better than you are. I think we've reached that point. Also, one other guy that might be available in shallower leagues is universally rostered in 15 teamers and close to it in 12s. But Randall Grichik, Colorado is half and half this week at Cincinnati and then at home for three, but they face four left-handed starting pitchers out of their six games this week. And Grichik splits in his career are much better against left-handed versus right-handed than they are home versus away. So he's somebody that I might want to use in NFBC formats in Cincinnati, but I definitely with two starts versus left-handed pitching at home next week. Nice. Yeah, I'll use a 94% in the online championship. So there is a handful of leagues out there in which he is available. So that opportunity could be something to jump on, even in those 12s. All right, let's move on to the speed categories. Obviously, we talked about Darian Blanco earlier in the league. He is going to be available. I'm sure he'll be a popular target for those in need of speed. But Dave, who are you looking at? Again, I always remind everybody, this isn't just stolen bases. This is also runs scored as well. But either of those speed categories... Who might you be looking at? This week, I'm looking at adding Jake McCarthy. He's been a different player since he came back. Since returning, he's batting 318, and he's cut the strikeout rate. He's only struck out 11 times compared to five walks. And he's 12 for 13 in stolen bases. He's got all games on the road, but I don't really think it matters right now. He's getting on base, he's more aggressive, and he's... I think he's going to get you some steals. I think he could help people win a week if if they're playing head-to-head, and I think he's going to help people with their speed. Yeah, I mean, it's a format that goes untalked about, I think, a little bit more often than not, and that is those weekly head-to-head formats. When you got a guy like this, you can stream where he's 53% rostered in Yahoo and in, in those CBS and ESPNs as well because he was down for most of the year, just got called back up somewhat recently, obviously not being completely noticed in those three outfielder situations, but even those three outfielder situations you can very easily stream that third outfield spot and always have a quality player available for you to use based on the matchup in which you have going up against you in your head-to-head matchup. So he is doing nothing but steal bases since getting called back up to Arizona. Got three times, like you said, 13 stolen bases. This going into... These numbers going into going into Friday that I'm looking at, but the rate in which he's doing it at is double of what we saw him do last year, which was also a very high rate that we saw him go on for a good chunk of 2022 as well. McCarthy, definitely a target, especially if you are looking to stream some stolen bases in your head to head matchup. Kevin, got anybody deeper for me in the speed categories going into next week? I got a couple of guys. Deeper one is Jace Peterson. He's always sitting there for us, right? It seems like he's always available if we think we need someone that can contribute what he can, which is a little bit of everything, not great in anything. But he gets Cleveland and Toronto this week, two of the teams that have given up the most stolen bases this season. And he's playing every day for Oakland. Granted, both of those teams have a change at catcher coming not just Bo Naylor coming up for Cleveland, but also Danny Jansen being back from 
injury for Toronto, so he'll get some of the starts along with Kirk there. But typically this thing has as much to do with the pitching or more than it does with the catcher. So I, I see that I'm still leaning on that team context that they've given up a lot of stolen bases. And then a little more rostered in 15-team leagues, but even less rostered in 12-team leagues, Michael A. Taylor is on pace for well over a 2020 season, close to a 25-25 season. I think he's on pace for 23 home runs and 25 stolen bases. The Twins have a seven-day week this week. He's their everyday center fielder. Even with Buxton back, he's a designated hitter. So Michael A. Taylor, another one of those guys that, at least in 12 teams and shallower, always seems to be there available for us when we need him. Yeah, Peterson obviously available at both second and third base in the NFBC format. So obviously that flexibility is something you want to keep an eye on. If you need a corner, you need a middle, you have your options. He's the type of guy that if you pick him up and he does anything positive for you, he almost can earn himself a non-streaming condition in his contract, in his fantasy contract. He's almost like a bench streamer, like we've been talking right. about with pitching all year. He's somebody you want to hold on to so you have him when you need him. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some guys that might have good matchups, some extra playing time coming their way. The opportunity section here. Schedule notes to keep an eye on for. There are nine teams that have a full seven-game work week ahead of them. Boston, Kansas City, Minnesota, Miami, Washington, Pittsburgh, Arizona, San Diego, and San Francisco all play seven games in seven days. There are five teams that have two off days. We have the Dodgers, the Angels, and Baltimore have your typical Monday, Thursday off days. But then we have another one of those fun ones where the Chicago Cubs and St. Louis Cardinals play a two-game set on Saturday and Sunday. And, of course, that gives them back-to-back days off on Thursday and Friday because they need the extra rest to travel between Chicago and St. Louis. So whatever the reason, it's not a long drive guys. So, you know, they have those back-to-back games. So you are going to lose a game in both in the NFBC lineup changes on Fridays. You're going to lose that Thursday from the first half and Friday of the second half. So keep that in mind as you're setting your lineups and you're considering your free agent bids. Every other team has the one day off either Monday or Thursday, which is pretty typical. Colorado is away for three, but like we talked about earlier, at least three of those are in Cincinnati. So that's nice. And they host the Angels for three in Colorado. Cincinnati is home all week, not only hosting Colorado for three, but they've got Atlanta in there for three as well. So a lot of good bats in Atlanta, hopefully taking advantage of Great American Small Park and the great, the young Cincinnati team that's coming up and making everybody excited gets to play all their games at home in front of their home crowd to see what kind of crowds they can continue to bring there. With all that in mind and anything else that you want to consider, Kevin, who looks like, who else besides Randall Gritchick looks like they have a good, some good games ahead of them for this coming week? Yeah, I talked earlier about the Kansas City outfield getting pretty crowded, but it appears they're giving Edward Olivares his run here, and that's nice to see. He's available in almost half of 15-team main events and most online championships. It appears that they're going to let him play every day. He gives us, you can put him in almost any category, right? But with the seven-game week coming up, I put him under opportunity. He does have a bit of power. He does have speed. And they have a nice schedule coming up ahead. And also Tommy Pham. 
Now he's rostered in 85% of main events, but only 22% of online championships. So here's one of these players where we got that big drop off between 15 and 12 teamers. And recently he's viable now in 12 teamers. What he's been doing recently, giving us like Oliveris speed and power. We've talked about for years about Tommy Pham plays well when he has a chip on his shoulder. And it seems that now that he's getting in the lineup on an everyday basis, he's playing with that chip on his shoulder and we're seeing what we have seen streaks from Tommy Pham before. So ride it while it's hot. That's all you can ask for. <laughs> all right, Dave, who else might have some good matchups coming up for this week that you have your eye on? I like Will Brennan. I don't just like him this week. I like him for a long time, but especially this so far, he's been batting 365 in June. He'll get you the batting average. He'll, he may pop in a little bit of power and speed. I know he's got two home runs and two stolen bases, but I think he's going to be one of their everyday starters out there in the field. He's got a good high contact rate with some decent speed. This week, they're versus Oakland and versus Milwaukee, and it should be a good opportunity depending on where the Brewers pitchers land. But I think he's only going to face one left-handed pitcher, which is where he actually struggles. But he's only 56% owned in the online championships. So he's someone I'm looking to add, not just for this week, but a little more long-term and see if he can keep this momentum going. Yeah, I mean, Brendan started every game in the outfield for Cleveland since June 1st. So the entire month he's, they've had four lefties and he's played against them in the month as well. So they're giving, obviously giving him the run. We'll see if the Cleveland outfield has always been a topic of conversation for a few years now, as far as how are they going to fill it? How much run are they going to give guys and how are they going to fill it in free agency? So We'll continue that train rolling with Will Brennan. Like you said, still readily available in just about every league, including your NFBC 12-teamers, 56% rostered. So take a look out for Will Brennan, especially with what he's got coming up and what he's been able to do. All right, let's move on to a pitching, guys. Dave, I'm going to start you, guys, start you off here. We're starting off with wins and Ks, our counting stats for our pitchers. Who looks like they could add one or two wins and knock some Ks out of the park for you this week? The one that I really like is someone who actually did really well today. It was Braxton Garrett, and he's been on fire since he gave up. I think it was in May he had that one start where he gave up 11 runs, but since then it's been... Heading into today, 2.89 ERA, 47K in about 37 innings, and limiting the walks, a 203 batting average against. He is fully owned in the OCs, but if you're looking in more shallow leagues, he pitched well today, had 8Ks today. He's just, he's been on a roll. So I'd be looking to add him, not just for this week, but long term as well. Yeah, 45% rostered in Yahoo, as you have listed here, is egregious the way he's been pitching. And now with the uh, the news, Craig Mish came out and said Yuri Perez is going to stay in the rotation with this new injury to Edward Cabrera. And even with Trevor Rodgers being set back a little bit, Garrett had to have been even more secure in that rotation based on not only his longevity, but also his production. So he really should be, he should be more than a streamer in just about every Yahoo league, which is not so much the case if he's under 50% rostered at the moment. Kevin, what do you got for me is you got 
more options here than I really expected, especially after our conversation last week. Talk to me about the guys you're looking at to get some wins in case for us next week. Yeah, I listed several because in in 15 teamers, it's still slim pickings. And you got to look and see who might be available in your leagues and even 12 teamers for some of these guys. I'm starting off with a pair, Michael Lorenzen and Reese Olsen for Detroit. Lorenzen, 100% rostered in main events. Reese Olsen, close to it. He's available in a couple of them. But they're both available in 12 teamers a little bit. Lorenzen's available in 29%. And Reese Olsen at over half. They both get Kansas City and Minnesota, both in Detroit this week. Nice ballpark. Minnesota's mid-pack on the season versus right-handed pitching. The Royals are near the bottom, and with left-handed hitting Vinny Pasquantino out for the year, I expect the Royals to end up at the bottom versus right-handed pitching. Brian Wu, same. He is rostered. In, in all 15 teamers, but he's available in over 40% of 12 teamers. And he gets the Yankees at New York this week, but then Washington the following week. So he's somebody that I'd pick up a week early in those 12 team leagues. Kyle Hendricks, I was surprised at how highly he was rostered in main events, but he is available in three or four of them. He's available in three out of four online championship leagues he's only 26 percent <laughs> rostered he's at Pitt this week you mentioned wade miley being one of my guys earlier so he in deeper leagues he's definitely mm-hmm. the guy for me he's only 26 percent rostered he gets at cleveland that lineup's not scaring anybody this season uh, and even the mets if alonzo's still out that's who he gets next week and then a two-step he would get the cubs and the reds but at home in Milwaukee, not in Cincinnati. That's his next three weeks, the way it looks like it will line up. Another one that is a little bit available in deeper leagues, Ryan Nelson. He's available in 30% of 15-team leagues and only 3% rostered in 12s. This is a nice two-step. Like, that, like this is it for Ryan Nelson, right? If we're not going to use him at You'll Milwaukee, never, he'll never his get offense picked up. <laughs> is terrible right now, and we're not going to use him at San Francisco for that two-step, then don't even look at Ryan Nelson's name the rest of the season. If you're not going to use him this week Mm -hmm. in that two-step and one more to take a look at that is actually available in a couple of 15 teamers. Yohan Oviedo in Pittsburgh, he gets the Cubs and at Miami this week, the Cubs actually a little better matchup. Miami has been performing better recently, but uh, yeah, Oviedo and he's available in almost half of 12 teamers. So Hopefully a couple of those guys that have some availability in deeper leagues may be available for you. And most of these guys are available in at least half of 12 teamers. Yeah, I think especially with the production he's ha- he's shown, or at least the passing the eye test, if you will, Brian Wu, that matchup with the Yankees is actually, it looks pretty nice. The Yankees lineup, obviously. <laughs> they yeah, have and I think their- it was... I'm sorry, Adam. I think it was our friend Torres Takes on Twitter was tweeting out his Sierra versus his actual ERA. Sierra is like in the twos and his ERA is in the eights, (laughs) something like that. Yeah, so that's like the opposite of the tweet I saw Casey Bubba put out about Andrew Abbott. Right. who has a zero ERA, but like an XFIP of 700 or something crazy. (laughs) 
All right. Let's talk about those ratios a little bit more. So I appreciate the segue there, Kevin, that worked out really nicely. (laughs) And so we will let you lead us off then in the ratio talk. Who is out there readily available that can help chip away at ERA and whip? Yeah, we talk about some of these guys every week. The list could be long depending on your league. None of these guys that, that we typically talk about in this category are universally rostered. So I went a little extra deep this week. Josh Boers of the Texas Rangers. He's averaging about two appearances a week and getting multi innings in each of those appearances. He did pitch again on Saturday, another two scoreless innings. His ratios are amazing. And over, especially over the last month or so, he had a couple of hiccups mid-May when he gave up, I think, five earned runs in two consecutive, combined in two consecutive outings. But since then, he's been great and gets a few strikeouts as well as I seen on the cake with him pitching Saturday. I don't expect to see him Sunday. And we will hopefully get at least two, if not a third appearance out of him this coming week. All right. And Dave, who, whether you went with this as well, there are, you typically, we do talk about relievers here, but starters can also still chip away at ratios, but your option goes back and forth as far as whether or not he's a starter or a reliever sometimes. So talk to me about your choice here to chip away at those ERA and whip ratios. Yeah, he's a bit of a unicorn, I guess. <laughs> he does a bit of both and can do both. But Yanni Chirinos, when he's the op- when he comes in after the opener, he's got a 1.98 ERA and a 0.88 WHIP. So I believe he's going to be doing that this week. And if he does, he's likely to face Kansas City at home. And even though they just got Sal Perez back today. That lineup is, it's not looking like the best right now, especially with Pasquantina out. So I could see Chirinos getting a few innings there, keeping the ratios down like he does. He's great for whip, great for ERA, and he's only 17% owned in the OCs. So if you need something to help stabilize your week or situational a little bit long-term, he's someone I'd look towards because when he comes in after the opener he's pretty solid yeah it's funny it's like talking about a hitter either playing home or away or playing against righties or lefties and those splits and to see these ratios of the splits from Torino's when he comes in after the opener is eye-popping it reminds I'm sure it reminds a lot of people of like how Ryan Yarbrough was used a couple years ago by Tampa and how much better he was when he came in with an opener in front of him of course, that doubles down and makes Torino's an option for the wins category as well. Not only facing off against City, sorry, Kevin, but also oh, coming in after the opener gives him that opportunity as well. Yeah. All no, right. Be sorry about Adam. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, hey, my Red Sox are in last place too, I think. So it is funny That's to watch. a little different last place. <laughs> It is funny to always to see the screenshots people post every now and again when the standings of the American League East and American League Central line up so perfectly that they're in order from the top of the AL East to the bottom of the AL Central. Yep. Yeah. That's always it's funny. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's finish off our pitching categories here, guys, with chasing the saves. Dave, who is out there that is worth keeping an eye on or bidding on if they're available that can maybe steal a save or two this week and into the season? 
If he's still available, I love Alzale. I've loved him f- for years, even through the injuries. He was just someone who just, when you pitch, there, it's just watching him. It's great. And he's always done quite well. This year, he's got four pitches with an XBA under 200. He's got seven holds, three saves. I don't know if he's got a blown save either, but he can go two innings. He could go three innings. He could go back-to-back days. He's 64% owned in the OCs, so chances are there's still some leagues out there where you can. They're at Pittsburgh for four, and they're at St. Louis this week. So with the way the Cubs' bullpen is right now, being a, a mess with no clear leader, go for their best pitcher. Go with the pitcher who has the best stuff, and chances are you'll do well. Yeah, and just the fact that the Cubs do are one of those teams that have the two off days. It is tough to like go out and grab, at least in the NFT free format when you have the the weekly lineups. It is go out it's tough to go out and try to make a a stash on a reliever, but that could actually keep his price down as he is performing, as you mentioned. Just the fact that he's gonna have less opportunity to pitch this week. So if you do pick him up this week, it could just be a stash to see if he can actually grab more of that timeshare with the Cubs, but the Cubs have got to get some opportunities to give him as well. Never mind him to take advantage of. Kevin, who's out there that could add to the save department in your book? I don't think this guy's going to take over, but I think he's going to get us some saves while Ryan Helsley is out, which I'm worried could be an extended period of time. Jordan Hooks had a hold a couple of nights ago, and then Giovanni Gallegos came in and blew the save. Today, Saturday, they flipped that role. Gallegos pitched the eighth. Jordan Hicks did get his first save of the season, and I wish he hadn't because I already had him in my lists. (laughs) Price is going up, but I don't think it'll go up too much. I don't think anybody expects him to take over this job, and I don't either, but I think he's going to be in the mix, and there will be days like today. And when we're looking, we're in the day and age now where 10 or 12 saves from a guy over in a season – Right now, we're looking at seven or eight or even six or seven is that same type of contribution. I think we could get that out of Jordan Hicks over the next few weeks. Yeah, I was wondering how that was going to all work out in St. Louis. Also, St. Louis has to win some games as well and to provide those opportunities. But with Helsley out, who was obviously the clear front runner and taking as many saves as possible, how that was going to work out. It seemed like Gallegos was the obvious one, but with like you mentioned, with that blown save, it opens the door for somebody like Hicks to come in and take advantage of it. All right, let's end it here, of course, with our wild card section. Kevin, I'm going to let you start us off here. And as Dave kind of finds some extra guys to throw in here, I appreciate that because one of the guys Dave has, we talked about somewhat recently, so I'd love to hear Dave's take on that. But before we get to that one, Kevin, who are you stashing this week if you've got any kind of flexibility to do? Yeah, and this is fairly short term, I think. Tariq Skubal is scheduled to make another rehab start this coming Wednesday. There, There was... A little bit of speculation we might have seen him back with the Tigers this week, but I think most thought we were going to see this. This, for me, is a two-week stash. I think Wednesday will be his final rehab start, but then, depending on exactly when they insert him into the rotation, he's looking either at Texas or at Colorado the following week. Possibly both. It's a seven-game week, and with him pitching on Wednesday, he could be ready to go on Monday or definitely ready on Tuesday. 
and he's looking at a two-step at Texas, at Colorado, there's maybe three pitchers in baseball that I would be willing to put in my lineup and I wouldn't be comfortable with them with that schedule. Mm -hmm. But then we're looking at Oakland. So Oakland at home in Detroit. That's the play here. Tyreek Skubal should be back next week. He'll still be on my bench, but I will have him ready to go for that Oakland start. And hopefully it looks good and, uh, and it can leave him in there going forward. Now let's talk about maybe the Oakland lineup isn't something we should be targeting so much from the pitcher standpoint. But oh, I just... love watching him play, Adam, but I'm still not scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got the winning streak out of the way, guys. It's over. It's fine. They've gotten back to it already. Don't worry about it. Still continue to target. <laughs> All right, Dave, I got a couple guys on here in our wild card section. Again, it's my favorite section because they're guys that most weeks I'm not actually going to end up picking up because I don't have <laughs> the flexibility to do so in most spots. But I'm always curious to see who I should be looking at. So what are the couple of names that you're looking to stash if, again, if you've got any kind of flexibility to do? I've got three three stashes. So I've got two short term. Kenta Maeda, he's, I think he's all but ready to come back into the rotation. He's 4% owned in the OCs, but his last two outings, he's gone eight innings and given up one run. The Velo is back up almost to where it was before, but it's closer to where it was the last year that he was healthy. So I think that's very important with the Velo there. And I think he's going to take over for Louis Varland. I know Varland had a decent game, I think, his last outing, but he had struggled before. So he'd probably be the one to be pushed out because they haven't talked about a six-man rotation. The other short-term stash that I like is Derek Hall. I think he's going to be back soon. He's a first-base power bat. We saw what he did last year. I can't remember who it was on the Phillies said that he just needs to work on the small things like chasing pitches and just doing all the little things first. And then he'll be back up. He's got two home runs in rehab already. And he's 23% owned in the OCs. So those are my two short-term stashes and my long-term stash who I am trying to get anywhere I can in leagues with IL spots is Trevor story. He said he wants to get back earlier or he wants to get back as a DH before actually playing in the field, similar to what Bryce Harper did. So all year he's been working extensively on strength. He's been doing different plyometric activities to get his back going and his whole body. He's keeping it in shape. He's been doing more mobility and more. I think he's a really good buy low. If you have an IL spot, if you don't, then you're probably going to have to wait a couple of weeks because I don't think he'll be back until just before or just after the All-Star break. That's fair. Doubling down on Trevor's story, I think that's what Kevin talked about last week. Mm. Derek Hall is somebody I called out a couple weeks ago. I'm happy to hear that he's a lot closer to returning myself, especially if you need the power. And I'm going to correct you. I'm actually correcting myself because I threw that number in there. Kenta Maeda is 23% rostered in the online championships. He's 4% started which is one of those, just one of those questions, right? Obviously somebody's checked out a little bit earlier than they should have in the season long fantasy season starting Kenta Maeda. All right, guys, I think these are some great names to consider. If we missed anything, anybody major, obviously call us out. 
at on the wire pod on the Twitter. Let us know. I don't think anybody here talked about Luis Matos over in San Francisco. Obviously, that will be a name worth monitoring how much he goes for this coming this coming week. But with all that in mind and whatever else, Kevin, let's close us out with any final thoughts you might have for our listeners. Yep. Our annual three or four times every year. Don't forget, as you said, Adam, and happy Father's Day to you. You wished us happy Father's Day. Back to you. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Don't forget, if you're like me, and I know there's a lot of golf fans out there in the fantasy baseball community, my Father's Day ritual has been to watch the final round of the U.S. Open, and there's a lot of big names on the leaderboard. So don't have such a good time that you forget to get your fab in this Sunday night. Maybe work on it. You're not going to hear this till Sunday morning, but I was going to say Saturday evening. Many of you have told us in the past of our listeners, they enjoy this show with their coffee Sunday morning. Do your fab right now. Get it done so you don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. Even if you get it done and you you forget to go back and adjust, that's fine. At least you had bids in. At least they're in there and ready to go. That's great advice. We yeah typically revolve this around all the holidays. We'll say this again in early July, I'm sure. And again, closer to Labor Day as well. And with all the picnics and all the holidays, that it can be easily forgotten. And on the other side, I've done it. You can take advantage by (laughs) just doing it, and somebody in your league will forget. And it never fails. I've done it. Never fails. You realize it at two minutes after. Yep. Yep. Just right. You're like, oh. <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Set an alarm, whatever. And get it done. All right. That's going to do it for episode 119 of On the Wire. You could follow myself on the Twitter at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasting Kevin. Of course, follow the pod at On the Wire Pod. Like to once again thank our guest Dave Funnel for joining us this week. Follow him on the Twitter at sports that's with a Z underscore nuts with two T's 51. Again, link in the show description for easy access. And after all that, I am Adam Howe on behalf of Kevin Hastings. Thanks for listening. We bid you goodbye. Goodbye.